someone once told me time is a flat circle. If everything we've ever done or will do, we're gonna do over and over and over again. Kelly. And I'm Michael. We're brother and sister, self-proclaimed armchair detectives, banging out our summer reading list like champions, and your host for the Flat Circle podcast. So this case that we're going to talk about today, Chaps Mubbuns. <laughs> yeah, I knew it would. I'm not going to lie. We're going to be talking about an upstanding citizen of the United States of America. This guy... <laughs> This guy is a piece of work, okay? And I can only say that we're going to discuss the death and the life of Richard Hoagland. So on February 10th of 1993, Richard Hoagland kissed his wife, Linda Eiler, for the last time. He called her from work and told her he was going to the emergency room. Linda waited for her husband to return from his appointment, but he never came back. And what happened? Why? Where did he go? And did he ever return? Richard Hoagland seemed to be living the dream. He lived with his wife Linda, sons Douglas and Matthew, in Indianapolis, Indiana. He worked as a successful insurance salesman. His wife described him as a real mover and shaker. Now, you see, the Hoaglands had a big house with five bedrooms and a few acres of land. In the summer, they spent weekends on the speedboat, and their family vacations consisted of going to exotic places. They were living the American dream. From the outside looking in, the family seemed to have an idyllic life until that fateful day on February 10th of 1993, when Richard called Linda at 4.45 p.m. to tell her that he was feeling ill and was going to check into the ER at the local hospital. Linda pleaded with him to let her join him. However, he cautioned to Linda that she could try, but he would be gone by the time she got home. Linda raced to the daycare to pick up her son, Douglas, who was just six years old at the time. Son Matthew was a nine-year-old third grader at the time and had already finished school for the day and was home alone. By the time she got home, Linda called the emergency room to check on her husband. However, the receptionist told her that no one named Richard Hoagland had checked in that day. At this point, she was stunned. Linda put the phone back on the cradle and then called all of the other area hospitals. They told her the same thing. No one named Richard Hoagland had been a patient that day. She worried about her husband. At 5.40 p.m., she received a phone call from Richard. He told Linda that he could no longer live the way that he had been and he felt she deserved better and would be better off without him. Richard Hoagland called again that evening. He told his wife, Linda, that he did not want to go to jail and would not be coming back. Linda and the boys thought this situation was temporary. After all, what kind of person would just leave their wife and kids behind? Okay, so at this point, Linda must have called the local police or the local police must have caught wind of whatever illegal activities Richard Hoagland was into. They traced him all the way to Indianapolis International Airport, where they found his van abandoned in the airport parking lot. The police checked the airport flight logs. Richard Hoagland's name was not listed as a passenger on 
any of the flights that day. They passed the information on to his worried wife, Linda. Despite telling Linda that he would never be coming home, Richard called a few more times that February. The phone records showed that the calls came from exotic countries, like Aruba and Venezuela. At first, Richard called frequently and even sent birthday cards to his sons. However, it wasn't long before communication stopped cold, leaving the rest of the family to wonder. He returned to the United States exactly one year later. However, he did not go home to his wife and children in Indianapolis. He ended up in West Palm Beach, Florida, the exact opposite direction of Indiana. While in Florida, he rented a room from Edward Szymanski, the father of local fisherman Terry Jude Szymanski, who died by drowning in 1991. And this is where he ended up finding the deceased son's death certificate. He used the details on the certificate to get a birth certificate and a driver's license issued by the state of Florida. He then assumed the name and identity of Terry Jude Szymanski. Richard Hoagland created a whole new life under the name Szymanski. He moved again, this time to Zephyr Hills, Florida, so that he could properly live as Terry without suspicion from Terry's father. While the wife and two sons he left behind struggled emotionally and financially in the wake of his disappearance, Richard was living the good life as Terry. He later remarried in 1995 to Mary Hosler Hickman and had a son with her. He bought land, made investments, even got his pilot's license and owned a private airplane. Richard was living high on the hog, while the family he left behind struggled day in and day out. Life went on this way for quite a long time, 23 years in fact, until July 20th of 2016, when Richard came home from work to find a detective in his driveway. The detective asked to see identification. After Richard showed him the birth certificate, social security card, and driver's license of Terry Szymanski, the detective swiftly pulled out the official death certificate of Terry Jude Szymanski. The jig at this point was up. The ruse that Richard Hoagland had been living under for 23 years as Terry Szymanski had been busted wide open. Terry Szymanski died again on July 20th, 2016, but only symbolically since the real Terry Szymanski had met his death in 1991. Richard Hoagland was arrested immediately. The son he sired with his third wife was only 19 at the time. They charged Richard Hoagland with identity theft and put him away in federal prison for his crime. After Richard was arrested, Linda Eiler received a voicemail from Detective Anthony Cardello of the Pasco County Sheriff's Department in Florida. Detective Cardello asked Linda if she knew who Richard Hoagland was. Well, Linda responded immediately that that was her ex-husband. The detective confirmed that he had Richard Hoagland in custody, which I can imagine Linda was taken aback by. Richard moved back to Indiana in April of 2018. This is the point where the past haunts the present. Richard had an awkward reunion with his sons Douglas, Matthew, and his former wife Linda. You see, Richard Hoagland had been declared dead officially on February 10th, 2003, 10 years after he went missing. So, the reunion with his former family was not only awkward, it was a reckoning for the stunt he pulled 25 years prior. His ex-wife Linda said, He devastated us. He left us with nothing. Absolutely nothing. I was very broken, she said. They had lost everything. Their house, the speedboat, the cars, the land, all of it 
repossessed after he left. Richard's 20-year marriage to his third wife, Mary Hostler Hickman, also started to crumble understandably when she found out not only about the identity theft, but also about the family that he had left behind. I mean, rightfully so. Uh, Richard's ex-wife, Linda Eiler, decided to sue him for all the child support payments he should have been paying over the years. She took out a lawsuit against him to collect $2 million. The judge ruled in her favor, and Richard now had a $1.86 million bill to repay. The family he left behind, Linda, Matthew, and Douglas, finally got some justice. Though they aren't sure if they'll ever see a dime of that judgment. After Richard Hoagland moved back to Indiana, he awaited trial in 2018 for the identity theft case and other crimes he committed. He was also in the midst of divorce proceedings with his third wife, Mary Hostler Hickman. So yeah, Richard is a great human being, right? <laughs> Father, husband, human of the year. Yeah. I, uh, what? I mean, I know that this guy was married once before, mm -hmm. but I don't know that he had any children with his first wife. Right. So then he has children with his second wife, Linda Eiler, and he has two beautiful boys. And then something happens, like supposedly he had a successful insurance company and, you know, they paid for like the big fancy house and the cars and the boat and all these things. And then he just like fucking walks away. Like, yeah. what is that? What is that? Well, this is something that's always kind of really struck a chord in me in terms of how could he have gotten away with it for so long? Yeah. Just because the dude made a lot of money. It just shows you, I think, this is a guy that obviously is very into himself. He's very ignorant, very arrogant. And he didn't see, I mean, he literally left his, he left his family behind to fend for themselves. So I, it, obviously that came back to, you know, haunt him years later, thank God. But the fact that you could literally take a dead person's identity and keep it as your own and live under that identity is just it just boggles me and you could probably keep doing that and just kill that person off all right again just to create a new dead person identity as your own i'm so oh. i don't know i don't know what father could do would do that what husband would do that just very sad to see well in the fact that like when he was in florida this older man you know who missed his son obviously actually rented out his son's like whatever home he was living in, he, he rented it out to Richard Hoagland. Richard Hoagland then somehow found like the birth certificate or the death certificate, you know, in the, the floor or something on that property. But it kind of made me sad that like the whole thing, like his whole story got busted wide open when this kid, I think it was like a cousin of the Szymanski family. It was a cousin of the Szymanski family who was surprised to find that Terry Szymanski, who they said was dead was living you know alive and well just a few counties over you know yeah. that had to have been heartbreaking especially if that news got back to the dad and the dad had some kind of weird false hope or was like what the fuck or you know the whole thing is weird because remember he basically he kind of lied about this whole er visit thing yeah and that was kind of his ruse for kind of kind of leaving right and he kind of left matthew the oldest son who was nine at the time home alone mm -hmm. i mean she was the, when the wife came home she was when linda came home at that time she saw that matthew was left home alone so not only did this father abandon his family in that way i mean he didn't even make sure any of them were okay no before he left i mean he mm -hmm. just did, basically did his own thing and now 
this is something that takes a lot of planning. I mean, obviously, I think he knew what he was going to do. And it makes you wonder, and I don't know if he'll ever come out and say it, but it makes you wonder how many years of the making he had this planned. Or was this just a spur of the moment thing? But Because I don't think you can just leave at the spur of a moment. No kidding. And it sounds like he was, I mean, from the sounds of it, he's like a swindler. Probably the jig was up at the insurance company. He was probably pilfering money from the top or whatever. And instead of facing the follow like a man, he went and he hid like a total coward and left his family, his wife and two small boys to pick up the pieces. You know, he he basically left them standing empty handed. Well, he Literally. did. He did. And I'm looking at right now, he left them the financial woes that he left them in wasn't just bringing home a paycheck to you right. know, support the family. He left them 26 unpaid credit cards, which is a lot of fucking credit cards, wow. unpaid taxes, and he had several outstanding debts that they both had. So obviously, if he's killing himself off, you know, not really killing himself off, but killing his own identity off, that goes to the spouse, which was Linda. So Linda had to pay all that shit. And you imagine that had to have hurt her credit. I mean, that had to have hurt a lot of things for her. And that really hurts the family when when a family's credit's hurt. And if she's the only one that's the supporter of the family now, I I just can't imagine what she went through. And I try to look at the things that she had to to do. And she was taking, you know, odd jobs here and there. She was just working as much as she could. And I mean... I think we got to give a standing O to Linda for doing yeah. everything that she did, you know, raising these kids by herself. And I mean, I bet there was a point when she found out that Richard was still alive where she was not only shocked, but I bet later on she probably just laughed her ass off like, what a loser, right? Huh. I mean, what a fucking loser. Because both boys, Matthew has kids of his own now. The oldest is, he's grown. And I mean, this is 93 and he's pushing 30. Or he might be 30. And yeah, he, he is 30. And in his early 30s. And he has kids of his own. And a quote that he directly said is, he reminds himself every day that he doesn't want to be, he'll never be like his father. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, because I don't know who would want to be Richard Hoagland. You know, it... <laughs> Part of me feels like jail is too good for a piece of shit like this. Yeah. Like, part of me feels like jail is just too good. Like, how do you really get justice in this situation? Because, like I said, even though Linda, you know, his ex-wife and then Matthew and Douglas, you know, even though they won the lawsuit against Richard Hoagland for $1.86 million, that yeah. was almost like a symbolic <laughs> win because they don't know if they'll ever see a dime. In fact, they know they'll never see a dime. And I'm sure Richard is going to, whatever he makes, whatever little money, or don't they have opportunities sometimes to get like small paying jobs in while they're in prison or whatever. And you know that dude is going to do like everything he can to, to get his shit under the table so that she doesn't get a dime. Well, you know, and- not even thinking about all of the ruin that he left right. her in. Not to mention the new family now and all the layers of feelings and shit he left behind for the third wife. This guy just leaves like broken hearts and just broken people in his wake. That's just so chaotically evil in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And the last contact he had with them, uh, I'm looking at an old birthday card he sent to Doug, the youngest at the time. And Richard, he actually sent them. um, It was so because remember, Richard made a lot of money after this, right? Yeah. So he only gave Matthew or Doug, I'm sorry, he only gave Doug. Uh, 50 bucks and he just said uh, let your mom help spend this money you might want to put some away maybe sometime soon we will get together and and see each other I bet I won't even know you it has been so long 
mind your mother, bye, dad. And the birthday card says happy with love, but he didn't write that. So you, there was probably, I mean, that is so like sad. That is so sad. I imagine these these boys have ha- went, you know, because fathers, sons and fathers, every kid needs a father, right? And I imagine yeah. to have a father that was alive, but they thought was dead after a while, it's very fucking sad. And this happens all the time. It's just that this guy created a whole new life for himself, right? He didn't decide, well, I'm not going to be, he decided I'm not going to be Richard anymore. He was just like, fuck it. I'm not going to be Richard. I'm gonna just going to be somebody else because I don't want my debts coming back to me. He doesn't want to get garnishments. Obviously, garnishments would happen in those cases. So he legally became dead and became this other guy, which is just, I mean, wow. You got to be a special kind of evil for that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, no kidding. And clearly he didn't care. It was like, oh, next time I see you, like it was all about how he was going to feel. Like he never even thought about how his kids were going to feel. And then, ooh, here's 50 bucks. Have mom help spend it. And, you know, I can't help but think that maybe Linda used that 50 bucks to buy like milk and cereal and bread and eggs and things that they needed for the week, you know, and it was just... Yeah. <sighs> She had to she had to file for bankruptcy. I mean, there was just a lot of stuff. Not to mention psychologically, I'm sure she probably didn't want to date. I mean, she had way too much on her plate to do that, you know? Yeah. To uh, even move on really properly. I, well, I mean, kind of going off of the whole poor trail of what happened to her, uh, the bank foreclosed on her home. Uh, they repossessed her vehicle. Everything that she worked for had vanished. That's fucking sad, man. And she and and it's even more sad. So I don't think we really talked about what what, what she thought happened to Richard. Mm-hmm. So she knew Richard had become associated with like untrustworthy people, like the undesirables. You know, she oh, knew he had okay. shady business dealings. He was one of those get rich quick kind of guys in the early days. So uh. she thought he met with some like bad people, and then they did him in. So it wasn't the fact that he just took off. I think from what I'm reading on this, I think she felt he left because in the I think early she felt he left because he thought he had to to keep the family safe. Right. That was the ruse to keep the family safe. But literally, little did she know he was just bailing out of that life and trying to create a whole new life. Wow. She had to have been so pissed, like so pissed when he comes out. He's got this tan from being in Florida. He's got this new, younger, hot wife with, you know, this muscular 19 year old son. Mm -hmm. And they're living high on the hog just like she was. Oh, my. That would piss me right off. I would never want him to get out of jail like ever. You hear about stuff happening like this, and you just... I've seen it. uh, There was this one report a long time ago. It would have been... um, There was this guy named... Nicholas Francisco was his name. And this was something I saw on Dateline. And basically, he had the same thing. So one day... This was in Seattle. He parked his car somewhere um, at like an airport, and they had never seen him again. And it... Everybody was looking for this guy. They thought, you know, he became victim of foul play. The wife, I mean, he had two daughters and a wife at this time. So you can imagine what happened to them, right? Like what was going on in their mind. So it kind of, you know, they finally legally declared him dead. Well, it, it so happened. Nicholas was living in, I think, L.A. Someone found him. And he was under, I think he was going by a different name, obviously. I forgot the name. I think his name was like Carter or he was going by a different name at the time. And I remember seeing this and I'm like, oh my God. And he showed these old home movies of Nicholas and his kids. And he, he looked like a really good dad. He loved his daughters. And it was like, wow. And he just looked like he had a good family. Well, they started doing this, this search in his, the money. So he had a separate account that his wife never knew about. And it was all like, Ooh. he would go to these like sex clubs 
like these um, these torture clubs. Uh, I don't know what you call S and M stuff. Okay, he was like big into that for male and female. So he was kind of like swinging on both sides. And his wife knew nothing about it, but she stayed true. Nicholas Francisco, my husband, I know this guy. We were high school sweethearts. There's a good explanation for this. And I mean, basically, he wanted to keep living that lifestyle. And he wanted, he thought, I guess he like missed a lot of opportunities because he became a young father and what have you. So he moved to LA, became like a graphic designer or some shit. And they found him. And I remember Dateline came to his door and he finally did talk to him. I don't know how the reporter did it. It was good work on her part. He was just, he was so wow. cold about it. He goes, well, the woman was like, well, don't you, wouldn't like your daughters, don't you care like they're, that they'll be okay? He goes, they'll be fine. You know, everybody just has tough times. I've had tough times. Everybody has tough times. They'll fight, they'll fight away find a way through it. I'm like, listening to this guy, it's like, you are a piece of shit, man. And they did. They they did get over it because the wife married somebody new and then that man became their new father and was a man and took care of that family. Wow. And so, yeah, and I think they found this guy because he tried to, he ran out of money and he tried <laughs> to dig back into his old bank accounts that were supposedly frozen and that hinted to the FBI or they hinted to the agency, like something's going on. And they looked through the camera footage and they found him. And that's then they knew that's where he was in LA. So that, I mean, there are people like that who just peace out of their lives. And I just, I don't know. That's just a different, uh, that's a different kind of evil, man. So yeah, I mean, just in a nutshell, Richard Hoagland is there, there's people like this and I'm sure there's other, you know, you always see a guy, but you hear women abandoning families, but it's more so, prevalent in guys that, yeah. that will leave families unfortunately and a lot of them don't change their names or anything they just um, leave they just leave in the old days that's what it was like you know go out for a pack of cigarettes and never come back but now i mean dave Chappelle is actually a funny skit about that like you could live 11 miles away and have a whole new life you know but today <laughs> true story uh, there's just everything can come back to you so you'll see people that will change their identities and stuff to kind and it's crazy it's almost like why are you going to the, such lengths to create a whole new life? Why don't you, if your life is so broken, your your actual life, then why don't you just try to fix it? Fix what you have. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, I think in the case of this douchebag, Richard Hoagland, he, he pieced out of his life because he was doing illegal activity and he didn't want to go down for it. So he would rather have his, his shit, you know, assets seized and frozen and yeah. his wife, you know, losing everything than have to be held accountable for his bullshit but yeah i do i wonder about that as well i feel like like you said it feels like okay if you didn't commit a crime and you just decided to peace out of your life you know and you want to start anew why not just talk to the people in your life and be like i really hate myself i really hate myself i hate this family like i just can't stand it i need to be someone completely new but at the same time is it better to know the truth or in that situation or is it better to assume that they're dead? Like that's what kind of makes me feel really b even worse for Linda Eiler is that she thought that he died protecting their family. So I'm sure to her, any burden that he left behind was almost like a gift, if that makes sense in a weird yeah. way, because she felt safe, right? And then all of a sudden, this blows wide open. Oh, no, he didn't do it to keep you safe, honey. He was just a selfish dickbag. Right, and he had a lot of money, and yeah, and a new family to boot. New family, yeah. Uh, I mean, this, and you know, the only time you've heard from him before no contact, whatever, is fifty bucks for a kid. Like, come on, like to yeah. me, it's like that's a slap in the face. I think this guy, you're right. I think this guy was just upset. Uh, didn't like his life. It was too. wasn't honest with himself. Didn't want to admit that his wrongdoings, and not, and he didn't want to be a man and correct it. So he decided he was going to go off and live his own life. 
So thanks for listening, guys. Please reach out. We love hearing from you. You can hit us up on social media at Flat Circle Podcast. That's with Facebook and Instagram. Or you can send an email to flatcirclepodcast1 at gmail.com. We are so grateful for you all. And if this is your first time listening, welcome. We hope you join us for future episodes. Until next time, stay kind, stay curious, and always question the world around you. Don't be like Richard Hoagland. (laughs) 